Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. live we're live um yep hi jonathan here relaxing for the moment too relaxed in the chair um got a few questions for tonight uh did notice that i had some questions last week which i'm not sure if they came during the broadcast uh so if i do get any please ask questions during the broadcast please don't be offended if i don't ask them it's because i haven't seen them I will ask them if I see them, um, but I didn't see them last week. Um, and so, BMI or, or rather ideal weight for surgery. Just had that. That's a question just in. Just, just like, just, just had that one in. So, um, the answer, the sort of easy answer to the ideal weight for surgery. I mean, I guess it depends what sort of surgery you're having but if it's going to be sort of breast and body contouring surgery changing the shape of your body i mean if it's a mole or something it doesn't really matter quite so much but i'm assuming you probably wouldn't ask the question if it was a mole so um uh if it's body contouring changing the shape of your body in some way um then there is an ideal weight um the the, the number that i normally give people is bmi of 30 body mass index of 30 body mass index is your height uh, divided by, by your, um, no, hold on, your weight divided by your height squared, kilograms per meter squared. So weight in kilos divided by your height in meters squared. Anyway, BMI, so your BMI, body mass index of 30 is, is a sort of uh, cutoff, really. And if your BMI is less than 30, then your complications are less. So the reason I say that is because the studies that they've done have used a BMI of 30. There's nothing magical about 30, though, so it's not written in stone. Uh, there's two things about the um, BMI. One is the, the if you can get it below 30, that's a good thing because your risk of complications are less. Um, but the other thing about your weight that I think perhaps is more important is you need, your weight needs to be stable. And so um, even if your BMI is below 30, if you want to lose weight or put on weight, you're better off doing that first because if you do it after surgery, then it can have an unpredictable results on your surgery. So your, your weight needs to be stable. I think that's really important. And similarly, that's important for people who've got a BMI of above 30. So I do operate on people who've got above a BMI of above 30. If they are weight, if their weight is stable, sometimes people have lost a lot of weight. They've still got a BMI above 30, and they may never have a BMI of 30, and they may not want to have a BMI of 30. And basically, if you say to them, "You've got to have a BMI of 30," they never have surgery. Um, now, that, um, that might be reasonable for some surgeons. Um, I've got a comment. That might be reasonable for some surgeons, but um, I do think that. Um, Dawn has said, hey, Jonathan. Hey, Dawn. Is that, is that, what, is that what your comment says? Um, so I do operate on people who've got BMI of above 30, but I say to them, if you can get it lower, then that would reduce your complication rates. You've got a higher risk of complication with wound healing and infection problems if your BMI is high. But you might say, well, look, I'm never going to get my BMI lower. 
and I'm happy to accept that risk. But it's something, it's a, com- it's a conversation we have to have, um, and, and, and I would operate on someone to be above 30 if it's stable and they're happy with it and they don't want to be below 30. But if your weight is lower, then you get a lower risk of complications. Hope I answered that one. Dawn, if you've got a question, all I'm saying is, hey, Jonathan, dot, dot, dot. So, again, if I finish this, oh, currently in holiday in the Caribbean, am I okay to go? Right, is this going to be a pass this question? To go. Yes, you are okay to go. You're there already. Oh, to go to a water park. Yes. Oh, Dawn, how far, how far past surgery are you? Oh, Dawn, difficult questions here. You're, you're, you're what are you, a, a month, I'm guessing, is it? Or it's more than that, isn't it? Okay, I think, um, so I think you're, it, it, basically, okay, in general terms, are you okay to go to a water park? Uh, so basically, you have the dressings off after a week, then I normally put 13 weeks. Look at that, so how long can you be? Um, right, well, yeah, you're absolutely fine. So basically, basically, when you take your dressings off, you normally have some gauze in the bra for another week or so. Once that gauze comes off dry, which is usually after a couple of weeks, um, then you can go swimming. So as long as you're not leaving any dressings, as long as you haven't got any sort of open wounds, um, there's stuff coming out, then that's good. So 13 weeks, I think you're absolutely fine there, Dawn. Uh, go for it. Go to the water park. The only thing is with the sun on the scars. So you've got to not get a tan on your scars. That just means you have to wear a sort of, um, you know, a, a swimsuit, bikini, whatever. Um, but uh, actually going in the water is fine as long as it's sort of the wounds are all healed. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you for the live comment, which I actually saw, which is good. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, that's the BMI thing. And then the next question is about uh, do you need to does, – does the breast crease lowered when having implants? Um, it often is. I, uh, I don't make a, that big a deal of it with most patients because you often have to lower it a bit. And to be honest with you, most patients don't realize that you've lowered it. Um, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the implant centered on the nipple. And if you look at some patients, particularly if, um, if they've got a very small breast and they haven't got much distance from the nipple down to the inframammary folds, to the crease, if you put an implant in, and it stays where the crease is. If you leave the crease where it is, the implant will sit too high and the nipple will be on the lower part of the breast and it will look like the nipple is droopy, even though the nipple is in the same place as it was before and it didn't look droopy. But if most of the breast is above the nipple and you've got a breast with a nipple on the lower part of it, then it looks droopy. So you need to have the nipple centered, so you often have to lower that crease to get that nipple centered on the breast. Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much unless you're a patient who has got a bit of a droop to your breast. Now, people who've got a bit of a droop to the breast is a really tricky group, and it's something I've done a YouTube video on my YouTube channel. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing video, more videos now. I'm trying to do one a week, so do subscribe. I've got 40 subscribers so far. Um, so um, my children are very proud of their YouTuber dad. So... Uh, I'm going to monetize that and, uh, you know, stop having to do the surgeries, just living off the YouTube proceeds any time now. But uh, I think I might need a couple more subscribers than 40. But anyway, we're, we're all good. Uh, I should put a link to YouTube, shouldn't I? I should put a link to my YouTube channel. Um, it used to be, I don't know if you know, I deleted it. It used to be called YouTube sort of slash cyanoplastic surge, but I deleted that one accidentally. And now it's called something really funny, like a big long name. 
a, a big long number and you can't have a name until you've got uh, a thousand, no, I think it's 10,000 or some large number of views. You can't have a proper name. So I've lost my proper name from my old channel and I can't get my name back again until I've got loads of views. So, um, so I'm looking to get some views on that. Um, what's it about? Oh yeah, breast lift. So the breast lift, if you need a lift, if you're borderline for a lift and you just have implant, then you're a different sort of person there because those people uh, are difficult to use just implants in. I do do implants in those that group of patients, and there you often have to lower the fold dramatically. And the problem when sometimes it arises is the fold has memory, and the breast remembers the old fold. You're lowering the 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 fold, and you get a, a contour defect in the lower pole. It looks a bit like a double bubble. I guess it is a double bubble. Um, nowadays, with the internet, everyone gets some. Um, experts on all these different terms of double bubble and things like that. I think a lot of plastic surgeons, if you have a lot of trainees and things, will struggle to uh, explain what these things are. So there is quite a technical thing, a double bubble. But basically a double bubble is when the breast implant descends below the inframammary fold and is a bad thing. Um, in these situations in patients when you need a lift, you have to make the breast implant descend between beneath the uh, inframammary fold. And so you um, have to sort of create a double bubble if that old inframemory fold has memory. The idea is that you don't, you, you ablate the old inframemory fold and you create a new one lower down and, and you're happy and it all looks great. That's the, that's the plan. That's the idea. But uh, if you don't, uh, if that, that fold doesn't release enough, you can get a bit of a, a ridge in the lower pole. Um, and I think that's what that, I'm going about that because I think that's where this question is coming from is do, does the crease need to be lowered? So in cases where you have a droop, then I'd be more worried about it than if it's uh, a, 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 just a breast where you're just slightly lowering it because the original fold is just a little bit high. And you, so you often have to lower it. Sometimes you have to dramatically lower it if you need a lift. And that's when I'd be more, more worried about it. And we have to be, have maybe a bit more of a discussion about it um, because at the end of the day, a lift is the best way to lift the breast. And, and then you lift the breast up, and then you can just put an implant in normally. Because if you're not doing a lift, you have to lower the implant to meet the breast. And that's what the lowering of the fold does. You're lowering the implant to meet the breast. If you do a lift, you don't need to lower the, the implant. Yeah, it all makes sense in there. Whether it makes sense as it comes out of my mouth, I don't know, but I hope that's made some sense. But uh, the bottom line is I won't worry too much about it. I think worry, people worry a lot about the technical aspects of surgery, which is fine because everyone wants to be informed. But I, I wouldn't worry, you know, I'll definitely ask the questions, but I won't worry too much about these things because these are technical aspects of surgery that we need to, as surgeons, need to make sure that we do right. And uh, as I say, the crease is often lowered, but I often don't say anything to patients that I've lowered it and they often never know. But if you look at the photos, you can see that it has been lowered because you just want a nice-looking breast beforehand and a nice-looking breast afterhand, uh, afterwards. As long as the breast looks nice, it's, uh, that's the main thing, and the crease is level. Um, so that's that one. Uh, by the way, Dawn, I hope you're having a nice time on holiday in the Caribbean. That sounds fantastic. And uh, I hope you're having a lovely time and having a good time in the water park. So, uh, yeah, it's great. What time? What time is it? Well, as in Greenwich Mean Time, what time is it? Um, you don't have to answer that because we'll get into But anyway, good on you. Um, 
What are the pros and cons of fat grafting compared to implants? Fat grafting is really a good thing, and I love fat grafting. It's a lovely uh, procedure to do. Um, I'm getting lots of things going across the screen, so I'm very happy about that. Um, not um, entirely sure what they are, but that's good. Um, fat grafting is a very good procedure. It's great for adding volume. It's a natural thing because it's your fat. It stays with you. If you put on weight, if you lose weight, it gets bigger and smaller with you. You don't have any of the complications of implants, capsular contracture, infection, all the problems you can get with implants. None of those. You take some fat from somewhere, so that's a benefit. So there's loads of benefits of fat grafting, but we don't do it much. So you've got to ask why don't we do it much. It hasn't really massively um, exploded as, as you might have thought it would when you hear that you can have some fat sucked out of one part of your body and injected it into your breasts in, and avoid having silicone implants or, or uh, having implants. You might think, wow, that's fantastic. I'll have to that please the problem with fat grafting so the pros and cons uh, the, the the pros are that it's natural it's all you uh, the incisions are very small it removes some fat from one area um, which can be a pro the cons are it is not huge volumes so when people say when you say oh, i'm going to remove some fat from your tummy or your your, your hips and i'm going to inject it into your breast because oh fantastic my tummy is going to be recontoured i'm going to be a new person it's not a huge volume of fat that you remove so it doesn't significantly contour the area that you take it from it's not the same as liposuction liposuction you put quite a large cannula in you suck out of, under high uh, pressure the fat with fat grafting you want the fat to survive so you suck it out with very low pressure you use very fine cannulas, you use a syringe rather than a, a suction device, and the syringe just cr creates the negative pressure. So it's much lower volumes, much lower pressure, because you want the fat to survive, and so you don't, re you don't contour the donor site. So that's number one. It doesn't, it's not like, oh, my tummy's going to be transformed. Um, you could have liposuction as well, but that's a separate thing. Um, number two, it's, it's small volume, and that's the main thing about it. It's small volume, so you have to be prepared for a subtle increase. The problem with fat grafting is often you have to look at patients with the before and after photos next to each other. And I always feel that if you've got a, if you've got a patient in the clinic and you're having to sit with their before and after photos next to each other to convince them they got a good result, it's not a great result. You want a patient to walk in and say, I'm so happy with my result. I look great and I look so much better than how I looked before. Thank you very much. And it, breast implants can do that. Breast implants can give a dramatic increase in volume to the breast. Um, Whereas fat grafting is often quite subtle and you have to be prepared for a subtle result. It's also quite expensive. The operation takes a long time. It does take a few hours because you have to remove the fat and you have to process the fat. You can't just inject it straight in. You have to process the fat um, and then inject it straight in. So, so it does take a few hours. It's quite a long operation, although it's not that traumatic. If it does knock you back a bit, um, you do get a bit battered and bruised in your donor sites. Again, when we do liposuction, we put a lot of fluid in before we remove the fat, a lot of fluid which causes, with a lot of anesthetic in it, so uh, there's not a great deal of, well, there's not a, usually a huge amount of bruising and, and discomfort when you do liposuction, whereas when you do fat grafting, there's often more bruising and more discomfort because you don't inject as much local anesthetic and as much fluid because you, when you harvest the fat, you don't want it all to be fluid. So it often hurts a bit more, there's a bit more bruised where you take the fat from. Um, but the main thing, yes, is the results are subtle. It's less than a cup size. I don't think I would confidently say that I could make a cup size in one go because the problem is you're having to do two breasts. Uh, fat grafting is really good for 
uh, breast reconstruction cases, people who have had cancer, we've got some contour deformities or loss of volume in the reconstructed breast maybe, and so you can augment it with fat grafting in a three-dimensional way. You can put the fat exactly where you, where you want to. So that's why I use it a lot. Used to use it a lot more because I used to do a lot more reconstruction than I do now. But that's where it really comes into its own, and it's a superb technique for that. But for cosmetic augmentation, the limitations um, are, are, are much greater because you're putting it into both breasts. By definition, patients are usually slim because they want a breast augmentation, so they're often um, um, slim uh, individuals. So the donor sites are often limited, and so you have to be prepared for a small and subtle result that you might have to look at before and after photos. Say, look at that, haven't I done a good job? I've given you more volume, and you look at it and think, oh yeah, you have. You know, if you don't really feel it in yourself, then that's that's um, not a great result. And often for that reason, it has to be repeated. A lot of people think that it dissolves or something. It doesn't dissolve or disintegrate. It just has to be repeated. When you first have it done, it's quite swollen. So if you're looking at before and after photos, make sure it's there are after photos taken after some time. Don't In the first week or so, there's a lot of swelling. And so you think, oh, this is great. I'm really happy with this. But when the swelling goes down, then uh, you've got to see if you're happy with the, the final result. So it is a good... Um, technique but as I say it does have limitations mainly in terms of the volume that you can uh, that you can use so I hope that has been helpful and um, thank you Dawn for your uh, input and I hope you're having a lovely time in the Caribbean I'm going to check myself out of here and I'm going to um, go home now and so I hope that uh, has uh, has been going to watch Dr. Foster to be honest with you, I've lost it with that. I don't know if anyone else is watching that, but it's gone a bit funny. Um, but anyway, we're going to watch it. It's something to do, isn't it? Still watching normal TV, not into the iPlayer thing. Yeah, so we still watch normal TV, and I believe that is at night. Uh, what time is it on? Nine o'clock or eight o'clock? Anyway, um, I'm going to shoot off now, and uh, I am, I'm going to check myself out of here. So I'm checking out, and... Um, See you next week, same time next week, 7 o'clock. Don't miss it because it could be your question that comes up. Subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, ask a question, and it could be you that gets your question answered next week if you're lucky. Um, have a lovely evening. Bye. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.